It almost sounds like a lesson in what not to do, doesn't it? Jesus is making his way toward Jerusalem and there's a large crowd with him. Number of people in the crowd could have been due to the upcoming festival in Jerusalem. It might have been a case where pedestrian, pedestrian traffic was just uh, rather heavy, but it seems there was more to that also. This crowd, these many people had come eager to listen to and eager to see Jesus. And no wonder. He had done miracles. He had fed people in miraculous ways. He had raised people from the dead and healed many sick people along the way. Those are great ways to gather a crowd. Those are incredible ways to become popular. And so Jesus, with this crowd gathered and eager to hear him, to listen to him, turns around and addresses them. And you might expect that he would say something like, well, I'm really thankful that you've come to see me. Or he might do more miracles and impress them once again. Or you'd, you'd think he'd at least say something to encourage them, keep on following me. And he tells them that following him means hating father, mother, wife, children, sister, brother, even your own life. He tells them you need to carry your cross. Isn't that the exact opposite of what we might have expected Jesus to say? This is not the sort of message that we would expect to gather a crowd to bring them in. It's not a, a flashy, miracle-laden speech. Kind of sounds more like discouragement than encouragement. Which is precisely why these words end up in a series called Hard Truth. This is a hard truth. This is talking about something that's difficult and painful and challenging. But it was important enough for the people in that crowd today for Jesus to, to tell them these things. And it's important enough for us today to lean in and to listen. And along with the crowd, Jesus tells us what we can expect as his disciple. The particular instances and situations and circumstances may indeed be different. Each perspective is unique, but to every follower, Jesus says, carry your very own cross. And that means hating what you naturally love. That's a pretty extensive list that Jesus presents of, of close relatives, parents, children, spouses, who were to be the object of this, this strong reaction. But what exactly does Jesus mean by this? We know 
that God expects us to honor and to obey our parents, to love them. He's given us that charge in the fourth commandment. So Jesus can't be making a blanket statement that runs contrary to the express will of God. No, he's talking about his followers, and he is insisting that he have the, the primary place in their lives. He expects that his followers are going to be entirely devoted to him, and so nothing and no one could get in the way of that. If mother or father were to stand in the way of serving Jesus, that cannot be allowed. And while our natural reaction might be to avoid conflict, to give way to those earthly relationships that we know are important, that's not keeping with the call of Jesus, should those things be in conflict. We could give a similar description about parents in relation to their children. God directs us as parents to raise our children in loving and supporting ways. But we can't allow our affections for our children to get in the way, to be more valuable than our relationship with Jesus. In fact, Jesus even calls us to hate our own lives. God directs us in the fifth commandment that we are to regard our lives as precious gifts from Him. But in this context, Jesus tells us that, that even our own earthly lives, as dear to us as they might be, are not to be more valuable than He is. What Jesus is describing here really is a tall order. He calls it a cross. And I know you've heard about the cross. I know you're aware of this ancient torture device, an object of disgust and revulsion, but we're pretty far removed from when that cross was actually used in such a way. It's hard for us to imagine the, the emotional reaction of the people in the crowd when Jesus said, carry a cross. You know, people who would have seen criminals crucified. It does seem fitting that we use the word that's used in our service theme. Carrying your cross, carrying your very own cross means picking up something that you, here's the word, you loathe. It's detestable. And that's the trade that Jesus is calling on people to make, or, or at least to be willing to make. That they give up what they love for a cross instead. Again, it doesn't sound like what would encourage a crowd to gather around a teacher. It sounds much more like what would cause them to turn away. This is a hard truth. 
But we can overcome objections to this truth by considering the ultimate outcome. If what we love would keep us away from loving Jesus more, if anything would take us away from Him, the result would be devastating. We would be left in our sins. We would be left with the punishment that we deserve. We'd be left with hell itself. Our cross points us toward Jesus and toward His cross. Our suffering reminds us that we need His help. We need His blessing. We rely on those things. We need His work for us. We need Him. And as painful or challenging or disagreeable or undesirable our cross may be, it is worth carrying all the way to our final day. It's worth carrying the cross if it keeps us with Jesus until we reach the heavenly home He has prepared for us. And that's something that's worthy of careful consideration. That's really the point that Jesus is making to this crowd. Really think about if you're going to follow me. He wants those people to understand what that means. It doesn't mean that they will automatically or immediately have the things that they want. It doesn't mean that he's just going to provide them with, with endless miracles and food, entertainment and happiness. It means a cross. And so they need to consider if that is worth it to them. So to illustrate this point, Jesus offers two different examples. In the first, he says, if you want to build a tower, you have to start by considering the cost. If you start on it, but run out of money, you leave behind a monument to your own failure. You leave a foundation with no tower. You've earned the ridicule of others. The second example, a king is ready to go out to war and he stops to think about it. He's got 10,000 troops, but his opponent has twice as many soldiers. Maybe 10,000 is enough. Maybe his soldiers are better soldiers, better equipped. Maybe they know the terrain or have a foolproof plan. But in most circumstances, the only thing that makes sense is to make peace instead of fighting a losing battle. This is what Jesus wants the crowd and all of us as well to consider. We can't build the tower on our own. We can't build a life that reaches the heights that God expects. We, we fail too often to do even the little things in our lives, those acts of kindness to our neighbors that present themselves on so many occasions. And we certainly fail at loving God perfectly, wholeheartedly, 
Even if, if carrying our own cross, that would be the determining factor in how our life ends up, then wow, we too often want to step away from it. Step away from the challenge. Just give in to our own desires and cravings instead. We can't fight the numerous enemies that battle against us either. There are simply too many. We're outnumbered by powerful foes. All around us are temptations and traps. And, and this is the point that Jesus wants us to grasp. If we depend on ourselves, we can't pay the cost. We can't win the battle. We despair of ourselves. That's what Jesus wants us to realize. He does want us to build the tower, so to speak, of a godly Christian life. He does want us to win the battle against our foes, but we don't have that ability in us. We couldn't possibly give up the things that we love and pick up our cross. We can't, except for the grace of God. Jesus picked up his cross. Not a metaphorical cross, the real thing. He set aside everything that people naturally love, even his own life, in order to win our forgiveness, in order to give us salvation. And He empowers us to respond to His love by willingly carrying our cross. He inspires us to align our wills, to align our values, not to what gives us pleasure or comfort, but to what God's will is for us. He motivates us to set aside even the things that we love most if they were to threaten His place in our hearts and in our lives and instead to pick up and carry our very own cross. That's what makes Jesus' disciples like salt. They haven't lost their purpose. They haven't given up what really makes them who they are. They haven't become useless for anything other than the scrap heap, not even fit for the manure pile. The one who has ears to hear, let him hear. These aren't easy words. This isn't an invitation to a life of luxury. It's not what we would expect to draw large crowds. It's a hard truth that Jesus expects us and calls us to carry our own cross. That means hating what we love and so it requires our careful consideration. And it is worth it to be a disciple of Jesus. It is worth carrying our cross now 
because that means being close to Him forever. Amen.